Wow, thank you, choir and praise band and Randy and Mark. That, uh, that song, uh, whew, I was tearing up over there just uh, showing what love is. If you don't know about um, adult homes, Baptist adult homes here in Tennessee, it is doing what the Bible says that we ought to be doing as Christians. It is caring for the least of these, for those whom society has marginalized. It's an amazing ministry that Mark, he was so humble, didn't tell you really. He's, he's the president of that organization. So please consider how you can be a part of it and how you can support that amazing ministry. Next week is Father's Day, of course, I and mean, we will be uh, collecting offerings for the uh, Baptist adult homes next week. But you can give today. Just mark on that envelope that you want it to go to Baptist adult homes Man, you know, we, we expected kind of a summer slump maybe, but we got a good crowd here today. We got a lot of visitors I know in town. Anybody here for the CMA Fest? I know these Canadians here that are uh, sitting in front of us. Welcome from Newfoundland, Canada. Is that right? Excellent. I don't even know where that is, but uh, I'm so glad that you guys chose to make worship part of your... You can tell they're not Baptists because they're not in the back row. They, uh, they came all the way up to the front, so well done. Thank you, guys. We're going to continue this morning our series on discipleship, on followship, following Christ, what it means to follow our Lord and Savior as rabbi in order to become like him. So for those of you who are visiting today, and maybe some of you just need a refresher course, we're spending time this whole year talking about the five purposes of the church that we see in the New Testament in our Bibles, and we've been talking about last year how we adopted a new church logo you may have seen. It's got these five triangles on it. You see the five triangles, and they're actually the five colors that you see in the stained glass window, depending on what angle you're looking at the stained glass in our beautiful sanctuary. What I didn't realize, I went to Forest Hills recently, and the chapel that was built there at Forest Hills in 69, I believe, has the exact same not only same colors, but the same brand. It's some kind of famous brand of stained glass because folks from Woodmont went and planted that church in 1969. They must have used the same people to build those windows there in the chapel. So if you're ever over there and take a look at those windows, it looks strangely familiar. I think it's easy to forget what church is supposed to be about. What are we doing here? What's the point of church so we can just kind of show up, and we can see our friends, we can sing the songs, we can hear the sermon, and kind of go through the motions, and then go home. But what's the point? What are we trying to do here? I, these five triangles are going to help us remember that at our core, the church is to focus primarily on worship. The purple triangle pointing up. We have that one, Maddie. The purple triangle is supposed to represent worship as we relate to God vertically. And then the pink one pointing down is evangelism. The fact that we would share this good news that we've been given, the best news ever, with those who desperately need to hear it. And then discipleship, the blue one that's pointing up again, reminding us that discipleship is about becoming more like Jesus. I told you the definition for discipleship is being conformed to the image of of Christ. That's basically what discipleship is as we have this upward call to be like him. And then next month, I'm excited about diving into fellowship. That's a fun one. I can't wait for that because it's a really fun topic to talk about. It's the green triangle pointing down where we're going to focus on unity and the bonds of 
Christian brotherhood and sisterhood here on earth. And then we get to close with ministry in, July, in August. We're going to talk about what Mark just sang about today, showing our love for God that is expressed in worship. It manifests itself in ministry, acts of service, showing forth our love by doing something. Bob Goff has a book called Love Does that reminds me of that song that Mark sang. Love is an action word. It takes doing, not just talking about it. So last week we talked about following Christ as our Lord and, and how we, he's our master and our rabbi and we become his disciples when we give our lives to him. And just like the disciples of rabbis in the first century literally walked in the footsteps of their masters, so we today strive to follow Christ in such a way that is close and near to him in an effort to be conformed to his image. The image of God, which has become marred and broken in us by sin. So today we're going to talk about the clothes of a disciple. What, are, what is the garb of a disciple? I'll admit it, I like clothes. I enjoy finding a good deal on, you know, a nice pair of shoes on the clearance table. And when, when Dillard's, I think it was Dillard's, had their uh, moving sale over at Green Hills Mall, I was a little bit like a kid in a candy store. Okay, that was a, a fun experience for me. A lot of crazy sales uh, at, at Dillard's during that, that move. I, I enjoy clothes, and I think some of you here enjoy clothes too, and that's okay to an extent, okay, as long as we're good stewards of what God's given us and that we're not materialistic or, or proud about our clothes. But for those of you that may not care about your clothes at all, I know plenty of folks that have that blessing as well. <laughs> for those of you that don't care about clothes, I want us to consider today the things that we put on the things that we put off of ourselves today as Paul describes them in Scripture. Our Bible passage for today comes from the letter to the church in Colossae, and it's one of the greatest descriptions of discipleship, of transformation. Remember, this whole subtitle is transformed to be conformed. We're transformed to be conformed to the image of Jesus. So as we read our text for today, listen for language about putting off and putting on, taking off the old clothes and putting on the new resurrection clothes of Christ. So let's stand, if you're able to, this morning in honor of God's Word as I read Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory." Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, 
malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Did you hear it? Did you hear the, the, the put off and the put on language in this text? This whole discipleship process that we're talking about for the month of June is a, about a process of transformation, being conformed to the image of Jesus. And here, that process is described as simply changing our clothes. In the early Christian church, when a convert would come for baptism after staying up all night for the Easter vigil, when a catechumen would come forth for baptism, they would first take off their old clothes and leave them forever, never to return to those clothes. They were given a new set of clothes, which after their baptism, they would wear out into the world, representing that they had taken off the old self and put on the new self. That's a powerful image, isn't it? Whenever you see one of those makeover shows or in some movie or a play where someone goes through a radical transformation, their clothes are always a part of it. When Professor Higgins presents the transformed flower girl, Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady, at the Ascot Downs on on opening day, she, she wears a beautiful new dress and a hat and a parasol. You know, when Sandy shows up at the festival, the fair at the end of Greece as a transformed person, she's in black leather and she's clearly this new, different person. You know, Shakespeare is, is credited with saying that clothes make the man. Have you heard that before? It's actually misquoted. He says in Hamlet, that apparel oft proclaims the man. Either way, it's true that clothes can tell us something about a person. Our Lord Jesus actually talked about clothing as a warning on the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 6, verse 25, he says, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? 
But when Jesus said this, he was referring to our physical clothes. He was talking to clothes horses like me who can get obsessed over their earthly clothes. It's a warning to avoid material realms too greatly. But here in Colossians 3, the Apostle Paul is referring to our spiritual clothes, the way that we present ourselves now to God and to the world around us. Paul says here that there, there are these old clothes, these grave clothes that our old self used to wear before we surrendered our lives to Christ and decided to follow him. These are the kind of clothes that even thrift stores refuse to take, right? They're in tatters. They smell horrible. They need to just be thrown away. But then there are these other clothes. There are these new clothes, brand new resurrection clothes that the Lord offers to us through Christ. These are made from the finest materials. These clothes are expertly crafted with every attention to detail and they're custom tailored for each and every one of us. This process of putting off the grave clothes and putting on the resurrection clothes is a beautiful picture of what discipleship is all about. I hope you'll see that as we walk through this text together today. Discipleship begins with dying to ourselves, right? With, with agreeing to give up all that we are in order to follow our rabbi as Lord and Savior. My dad's going to preach on that in two weeks here on June 24th as he talks about the cost of discipleship, what it costs to follow Christ as Lord. But we see here in these first few verses in chapter 3 that not only have we surrendered all that we are and died with Christ, we've also been raised with Christ into a whole new kind of life. This reality changes everything for Christians. When we remember our baptism and, and what it represents, then we remember our participation in Christ's death and resurrection. The old world order was trying to impose its agenda of, of death on us, but when we died to that world, we severed ties with the old world order. And when we were raised with Christ in newness of life, we entered into a whole new kind of order, a heavenly order, not like the old earthly order of death. So what does that mean for us, practically speaking? It means that our life is not our own. Christians have no private life that just belongs to us anymore. Our life is the life of Christ now. It is Christ who lives in me, says Paul in Galatians 2.20. Our life is hidden with Christ on high who now keeps our life for us while he sits at God's right hand in heaven. Our new resurrected life with Christ means that the things of this world become so secondary and tertiary and whatever it means to be fourthly, <laughs> they all become dim in the light of his glory and grace. Because our lives are hidden with Christ on high. Instead, that the things of earth no longer occupy our headspace. Now our interests have become Christ's interests. 
We set our minds on the things above, the things that Christ cares about, the things that Mark Anderson just sang about. How then shall we live? Well, in verse 5, Paul starts to get into the real application, the part of his letter that deals with the ethical implications of the new life and all these theological truths that he just wrote about that all center on the gospel truth of Christ's atoning death and glorious resurrection. And he starts out by giving us two categories here of things to do, things that we should put off and things that we should put on. You see clearly what the old clothes look like here in verse 5 and verse 8. Verse 8 says the old clothes are anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Then in verse 9, he says lying to one another. So the question for us is, do we still wear these old grave clothes today? Do we refuse to get rid of these old grave clothes? Do you struggle with anger? I do. I get so mad (laughs) driving around this congested city every day. I have to be reminded constantly that I don't wear that hideous old anger jacket anymore. That I've put it off. Do you plan out how you could pay back that horrible coworker, that person who who lies and cheats and steals from you? You could really teach them a lesson? Uh Uh-oh, you've got on the ugly sweater of malice. It's time to get rid of that. Do you ever talk bad about other people? Well, guess what? You're still wearing the tacky hat of slander. You no longer need to put others down in order to feel good about yourself. Your life is hidden with Christ. Do you bend the truth on your taxes? Do you withhold the whole story from loved ones? Do you make up your own facts? You may not realize you're still wearing those horrible platform shoes of lying. I've heard stories of fashion-forward wives or even fashion-forward husbands who have helped their spouse clean out their closet because one spouse may not be aware it was time to get rid of some things, time to let go of some outdated, some raggedy old clothes that were in their closet. Sometimes they do this with the knowledge of their spouse, sometimes without. They say, honey, it's time to let them go. When Christ enters our lives, he cleans out our closets. He bags up all the old clothes that we had no business wearing in the first place, and he goes right past Goodwill and takes them straight to the dump, the only place suitable for those clothes. Because not only are those clothes outdated, not only do they kind of have a smell to them, not only are they off-putting, but they are the clothes of death. They are the clothes that we used to wear before we were captivated by the glory of the gospel of Jesus. Before we surrendered all that we are to Jesus. They're the clothes that we wore when we were controlled by sin and the death that that sin inevitably leads to. But thanks be to God that we have a new self now to put on. Here's the good news of the gospel. Look at verse 10. The new self is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. 
That sounds a lot like we talked about last week, about how discipleship is following Christ in order to restore the image of God in us as human beings that we were originally meant to bear out to the world. God made humans special in all creation because humans, all humans, were made to reflect God's image into a world full of darkness and decay and suffering. We are most fully human when we most fully reflect the image of God into the world. That's what we were designed to do, but sin has so distorted that image in us. That's what discipleship is about, is restoring that image. And remember that it's all humans who bear the image of God. That's one of the coolest things about our Christian faith. Verse 11 says that in Christ, all of the ethnic barriers, all the socioeconomic barriers, even geographic barriers of place and country all come crumbling down as we follow Christ together, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We're all given the same new garments of the resurrected life, the clothes that help us to accurately reflect God's image to the world. What do those new clothes look like? Again, the Bible spells it out for us. Thank you, God, for your word. Verses 12 and 13. Put on then as God's chosen ones, you're holy and beloved. You are set apart for God. Put on then compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. That's basically the chorus of your song, is that right? It's pretty much exactly what he said. These are the things to put on. We as God's children, we as his holy and beloved chosen ones that he has adopted, he's, he's wanting us to put on the best clothes. God wants what's best for us. When I was a teenager, I thought that following Christ was about being good, right? Just following the rules, and that wasn't a lot of fun. I thought God didn't want what's best for me. He just wanted me to walk the straight and narrow. But as I grow older, I, I'm learning that God's way is the way of flourishing. It's the way of thriving. It's the way of joy. It's the way of fulfillment and satisfaction to the fullest extent, more so than anything in this world. And God wants us to have these fine, tailored clothes that allow us to live the kind of life that he desires for us. Sometimes, you know, my, my parents or, or Morgan's parents, you know how grandparents are, they'll buy our kids some, you know, brand name clothing or something that Morgan and I would never buy for our kids on our own because my parents want to lavish things on them. They want to spoil them. Grandparents want their grandkids to have the very best. Things my mom would never have bought me as a kid, of course, but she'll, you know, spend whatever on, on my kids. As a grandma, she wants to see them have the best. She enjoys lavishing gifts on them. Well, God's kind of like a grandparent in this respect. He wants us to have the best clothes. You know, walking around this world in garments of compassion, garments of kindness, of humility, meekness, and patience, 
make us feel incredible. Like we were made to wear those clothes because we were made to wear those clothes. And of course, this signature clothing of God's children, it's all marked with the key component of any Christian outfit, love. Verse 14 says, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Love is the defining garment of the new self. It's the uniform of a disciple. Jesus himself said that a disciple of Christ would be instantly recognized by what? By their love. And I'm not talking about a lovey-dovey pop song kind of love, but true sacrificial love that gives itself away, love that has action behind it, love that, that gives without seeking or expecting anything in return, love that forgives all the time without holding grudges or keeping score. And then in verse 15, it's almost like Paul wants to accessorize this ensemble that he's put together. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Peace and gratitude tie it all together. It's like a, a nice watch or a nice pair of shoes or a nice tie or something. It's, it's the accessories that tie it all together. The peace of Christ, the peace that passes understanding. Our world needs that so badly right now. I need that. We're so prone to worry and stress and spin our wheels and not get anywhere. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let it be in charge and be grateful. You know, I've heard that secular studies of happiness, what makes people happy, they, they're, they're finding out that the science behind happiness all points towards gratitude. That people who are thankful are people who are happy. God tells us, be thankful because he wants us to be happy, not miserable. When was the last time you wrote down your blessings and counted how all the ways that God has blessed you? You know, I got some questions last week from our, our sermon listening team. We have a group each quarter, about seven people who give me feedback on the sermons. And then on Monday, I, I have a Facebook Live post at two o'clock on Mondays where I kind of recap the sermon and, and kind of answer some of their questions and some of their feedback. Someone asked me last week, how do we actually practically move forward in our life of discipleship? How do we functionally follow Jesus as Lord and Savior? What does that look like? Well, Paul gives us three great ways to walk the road of discipleship following Christ as we put on the new self in verse 16 here. First, he says in verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I heard one preacher say that there simply is no spiritual growth apart from the word of God. I think that's true. If you're not immersed in the world of scripture that shows us what the world of the kingdom of God is supposed to look like, then how can we possibly hope to bear that kingdom out or advance it in this world? If we spend more time in this world than we do the world of Scripture, we're not going to understand what it looks like to be the new self. 
If, if you're not reading the Bible daily, I encourage you to go on our church website. We have 2018 reading plans. The, the, the year's just half over. You can start now. And if you miss a day or two, it's okay. There's grace. But I encourage you to be in the Word daily. I'd, I'd love to talk with you about finding a good plan that works for you if you need one. The second means of transformative discipleship that Paul mentions here in verse 16 is teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. It's not enough to simply read the Bible on your own. We need the body of Christ. We need one another to really understand it and apply it and help make sense of it. We need other believers to teach us, to show us a better way to live it out together in the world. If you don't have a small group, if you're not connected to some other believers that you're able to study the Word of God with together, we have some incredibly gifted teachers, some incredibly wise people in this church who would love to share their wisdom with you, 9.15, right here on Sunday mornings. I encourage you to, to pick up a list of small groups that are available. We've got a women's study that's going on right now in homes, amazing people who are wise and godly who would love to walk the road of discipleship with you. It's a team sport. It can't be done on its own. And the third and final way that Paul shows us how to put on the new self here is by singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You know, corporate worship, we don't gather here just, to, just simply to sing songs to God in worship. We sing all these different kinds of songs like we sang today, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, to each other as well. We are proclaiming to one another the truths of these songs that we sing, that we are leaning on the everlasting arms of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We're affirming that to one another, encouraging one another to take part in that. Worship tunes our hearts to the garments of the new self. And whether you feel like singing or not, I know a lot of you say, well, I don't sing, I don't have a good voice, I don't have a great voice either, but I encourage you to lift up an offering of praise when you come into this place, whenever we sing these psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and you will be amazed at how your heart turns to the Lord in worship. So are you tired of your old wardrobe? Are you ready to put on the new self more and more each day and to put off all the old trappings of your old self, the trappings of the grave? If only you will commit to surrender all you are to follow your rabbi as Lord and Savior and Master of all, to follow Jesus more closely through his word through his body of believers, and through worship. Will you renew your commitment to these things, to discipleship today as you put off the old self more and more and put on the new self? Let's pray. Lord our God, we come to you now in worship, grateful for your word that shows us what the old clothes look like even when we weren't aware of it, God. And you show us what the new clothes look like, the clothes of the resurrection, the clothes that are glorious, the clothes that lead to thriving, the clothes that show us how to live a life of flourishing in this world. God, forgive us 
for languishing in our grave clothes. We thank you that you have made us new through your death and resurrection, that you have raised us into a whole new kind of life so that we can be like you, so that we can faithfully and accurately bear your image into a world that's full of darkness and decay. Oh God, help us to be convinced of the greatness of the new clothes. Help us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the new self day by day as we walk the road of discipleship alongside of each other here in this church as we follow our Lord and Savior together. We love you. We pray this in your high and your holy name. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We're going to have a time of invitation now. If you have never surrendered all that you are to Jesus Christ and followed him as Lord and Savior, then I encourage you to come forward now and talk to me about what that looks like. Maybe you feel the Holy Spirit moving in your heart right now, saying it's time for you to, to quit pretending, to lay down all that you are and say to Jesus, I want to follow you as a disciple. Maybe you've never been baptized. Maybe you've given your life to Jesus, but you want to make that decision to, to, to have that, that physical expression of the inward reality of what's happened in your heart, that you've died to your old self and been raised into a whole new kind of life. You want to follow Jesus' example of being baptized by immersion. We'd love to talk with you about that as well. Maybe you just want someone to pray with. I'm going to ask if Jan and if Trey would come stand up here at the front again, if you want to pray with with someone from our prayer team here, they would love just to have the opportunity just to pray with you, something going on. Or if you just want to come kneel at the altar, the altar will be open as well. We're going to sing I Surrender All as a, a prayer of expression, saying I lay it all down, God, I give up all that I am. Let's stand now and sing our hymn of invitation, I Surrender All.